This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. The race for the top four is well and truly on. Liverpool staying strong to see off Southampton. Leicester nervy against Newcastle. And West Ham coming unstuck against the Toffees. We'll review the win over Southampton and preview not for the first time the visit to Old Trafford on Thursday with our usual team selector and match predictions as well. Here to get into all of it, our Liverpool correspondent, Paul Gorst, Sean Bradbury and Matt addison Gentlemen, I hope you're all well. And well, Gorsley, you were at what we're hoping is an empty Anfield for the final time on on Saturday to see uh, Liverpool get the job done eventually. Eventually, yeah. I mean, um, Liverpool have played behind closed doors for eleven months, haven't they? Um, and hasn't been too kind to them, to be honest. I mean, I'm thinking about back in the last season when they were already crowned champions. They obviously beat Crystal Palace, but then. They, he drew against Burnley. They just about got past Aston Villa this season. It's just particularly since 2021's rolled in. It's just been a tale of woe, hasn't it? Six defeats on the bounce for the first time in the club's history, which is incredible, really. Obviously, drawing with Manchester United, the late draw with Newcastle. So Liverpool and obviously West Brom just just after Christmas. So Liverpool will be desperate to see the back of um, empty stadiums, and hopefully that does look as though it's going to be the case. I know after the game. Um, you could see stewards around Anfield kind of setting up for the, the return of fans, taking down the fences and the roads are opening and the um, plastic covers were taken off the seats. So Liverpool are clearly um, putting work into getting 10,000 fans back in Anfield for that game against Crystal Palace on the 23rd. So I think that'll be a, a highlight of the season, to be honest, something to, to sign off for the Liverpool finishing the top four or not. It'll be something to... Um, Bet the appetite for next season when fans are back in in, in bigger numbers, hopefully larger crowds, and uh, we can kind of look forward and, and forget about this pitiful season. Um, but Liverpool are still in the hunt for it in the last couple of weeks. Somehow, um, it's just a case of um, you know going to Old Trafford on Thursday and um, doing something that they haven't done for a while, which is uh, turn up and, and you know prove prove themselves. Yeah, definitely. We'll get into the the visit to Old Trafford. But looking back on Saturday, Sean, it was one of those where I think we all thought the script was was written to follow the same as what happened at Ellen Road and against Newcastle at Anfield as well. But Liverpool did get the job done. Um, Thiago Alcantara stepping up. Brilliant time to get his first Liverpool goal. Yeah, absolutely. It was, I was going to say, routine win. It absolutely wasn't a routine 2-0 win in the conventional sense of the way. But in terms of how this season's gone, it was routine and in the sense of all the things that usually happen, all the mad things that usually befall Liverpool in virtually any home game, especially, did happen, really. You know, there was defensive errors and things like that. Um, but thankfully, I just think across the park, really, everyone raised their game that that little bit that, that made the key difference. I think when you look back across the season, it is such fine margins, isn't it? Even when you look at the last couple of seasons with Liverpool, there's lots of games and lots of wins where, They've just got over the line. They've won by one goal. You know, obviously, we, this team can blow other teams away, but I think the hallmark of certainly the title-winning Liverpool team was that they could give them a, give them a one-goal lead, and and they'll probably convert that into three points. But yeah, this game, I I just think, like Gorsi said, it's been a pitiful season. It's been so grim from a Liverpool perspective. It's just felt like one big long nasty hangover. But like the more I've reflected on this game, I've kind of felt it's it's like that moment the day after you've had a good session when. 
you just start thinking, <laughs> I could probably go another one here. You know, and, and there, there were some green shoots of recovery. I think, you know, the, the defence just about did its job, really, really helped by Alisson, who was who really, it just led the defence, didn't he? He was fantastic. But like you said, Guy, in midfield, that was an excellent performance, certainly from Thiago, certainly from Fabinho. I thought one um, album was a touch quiet, but as a unit, they worked really well. And then the attack, I think the one thing that's been different, um, well, that was different at the weekend compared to, to previous occasions is obviously they, they took they took enough chances, let's say. Obviously, you know, Mane got his got his goal, which was great to see. But um, yeah, they, they got the job done and it could have been on, on another day, it could have been one where all, all three of the front three scored because they all had shots on target. They got in good positions and it just looked that little bit sharper, which does bode well for, for the games to come. But yeah, I think just first clean sheet at home, I think for nine league games, I think it is. So, you know, that's a massive positive. And scoring two goals at home as well, that's happened, well, more often than not, Liverpool haven't been able to, to muster that amount of goals, have they? Which, when the defence has been as porous as it has been at times, isn't enough to really win your game. So, yeah, I think, you know, if, if you look at it in terms of what Liverpool need to do and prove for the rest of this season, one thing, as we've already alluded to, is do their absolute level best to get into the top four. And clearly this helps in that respect with another three points and just just one step closer to that line. But also, I think really what Liverpool need to do now is put a bit of a run together, lay down a marker for next season and almost set the tone now with which they need to start next season. And I, I suppose in a small way, this helped with that a little bit, especially with Thiago getting his goal and sending a message to the critics who were asking for output and, and pure numbers in the goals and assists column, which I think is a little bit of a misreading of his game. But yeah, all in all, I think you've, you've got to be pretty happy with what we saw on Saturday. Yeah, I think Thiago, if he's the, the midfield maestro, with Dan Kane no longer on the sports desk, you're the, you're the metaphor maestro, aren't you now? Coming up with a, a few there. And I think only the, the drinking ones come in when, when you're on, Sean. But anyway, <laughs> regardless of that, Matt, I think the last three wins now for Liverpool at Anfield have all come with 90th minute or stoppage time winning goals. Think of Firmino all the way back in December against Tottenham, Trent against Aston Villa and now Thiago in the 90th minute, albeit not stoppage time. But it was far from perfect still from Liverpool, but they got the win. Yeah, exactly. They got the win. And I think if they do that four more times this season, but play equally poorly, then none of us will complain. But I think they are going to have to to step up and improve on that. Certainly improve in terms of, of being clinical against Manchester United. I don't think they'll probably create as, as many opportunities as they have been recently when they go there. And they are going to have to, to take a few of those chances. But yeah, look, they, they did get the job done. I thought they were, were worthy winners, but I think we've sort of seen that a few times recently, particularly at Anfield, where you sort of felt that it was a familiar pattern this time, that the difference was that the goal late on was a, a Liverpool goal rather than a different team's goal. So that was obviously a positive, and I think it puts Liverpool in a really good position. They they obviously had to win. We thought you know, they had to win all five of, of their final five matches. I think they, they certainly have to win four now. I think Leicester losing uh, that shock defeat on, on Friday maybe changes things slightly and maybe a point at Old Trafford wouldn't be the worst thing in the world just because of, of the fixtures remaining. But certainly, if Liverpool win there, you'd think that they have a, a really good chance. And it's just one of those things now that you you don't really massively think too much about the performance and, and the way that the team played. But I think certainly to, to get at least a point, if not all three at Old Trafford, they're going to have to step up again. I think you know the, there were good signs. Thiago, obviously... Is, is a good sign that he'd scored. But I think before that, it probably masks a little bit that it was a slightly mixed performance from him. I think he, he did okay at times, but he also did a few of, 
the things that maybe we don't want to, to see him doing as well. So it, it wasn't a perfect performance, but of course you can always take things like confidence and, and that sort of thing, you know, to, to move forward. So yeah, plenty of, of positives, but Liverpool have, have got to replicate the result, if not the performance for the final four matches of, of the season. And if they do that, there is just that glimmer of hope, isn't there? I think Liverpool are, are certainly in a much better position after this weekend than they were going into it. We're at that position though, aren't we, Gore, Steve? It's sort of, I suppose, throwing in a, a boxing analogy, championship rounds of having to hold your nerve at the end there. And it doesn't matter about how you get it done. A player like Thiago Alcantara has been the distance a number of times and we know his record in terms of winning domestic titles, but he may not have played at his superlative best, but he was able to obviously come up with the goal and be part of a Liverpool side that won. Whereas, look at Leicester City, for example, lost their nerve and don't think any of us saw that result from them or... Uh, performance from them coming on Friday against Newcastle? No, I, I certainly didn't, but, but I've seen Leicester quite a lot this season and um, they started really well, I think, but they, they haven't really convinced me too often since. I know they, they've got a particularly poor home record. Um, Crystal Palace were a little bit unfortunate a couple of Mondays back not to get something more from that game. I know they went 1-0 up and Leicester clawed it back. They've got Ian Acho who's in great form, haven't he? But other, other than that, at the moment, he's just seen to be a bit a real sticky spot at the worst time. So they're the ones that I'd be looking at now if I was Liverpool thinking that they're the ones who, who were going to kind of overhaul in the final two weeks. They've still got to play. Obviously, United tomorrow, but I'm going to is talking about playing um, some of his teenagers and under-23 players for that one, isn't he? So um, that might be be a difficult one, but um, Liverpool have just got to hope, haven't they? And, and and see if Leicester do slip up again, then then the, the chance is really there for Liverpool to, to have a, a right go on Thursday against a United team who might be exhausted from a, a ridiculous schedule, really, playing Sunday, Tuesday and then Thursday. Um, Harry Maguire might be out for that one as well. So um, Liverpool have just got to take any kind of positive that, that they can cling on to and, and really go for it on Thursday night. Hope that United do them a favour tomorrow night and um, then it really does open up if Liverpool can, can get a massive win on Thursday night and the result goes again, goes for them tomorrow. So it's it's incredible that you're still kind of playing this game of Jenga in the last couple of weeks of the season because Liverpool shouldn't be anywhere near it given the, the what has been a disastrous run of form at Anfield this calendar year. Um, and, and, and I'm not really... I don't really like to do ifs and buts and say if Liverpool could have got a win against Newcastle or if they'd have held on against Leeds because, you know, it is what it is. But still in there, still fighting. Um, West Ham is obviously still in there, but that was a big result for Liverpool yesterday as well with Everton. So um, it's weird, isn't it? I know Chris Beasley for us today has written something about Liverpool needing results from unlikely sources to support, you know, United and Everton and even Chelsea to an extent. So, um Say Liverpool can only kind of look after themselves and and see where they end up. And if it's not enough, then they they, they won't have been good enough to to have got there anyway. I think. Yeah, it is remarkable, isn't it? We're at this stage of the season, the points that Liverpool have thrown away, Sean. And as Gorsty says, there there is still a lot of hope to be had for Liverpool fans. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think Klopp said, didn't he, after the game that. If Liverpool win all four, he believes that they will finish in the top four. Up, you know, if they win all four remaining games and. I think that's right, and but like Matt said before, I don't even think they necessarily have to. Obviously, the this week, like Gorsi's just said as well, United and their games this week against Liverpool and against Leicester. I think that will feel like this. 
not that this will be the defining week, but those two games will just so hugely change the contours of what's possible for each and every team. But I do feel like, even though mathematically this isn't quite the case, it has almost reached the stage where it effectively is in Liverpool's hands. Like, you know, if they do get 12 points, I think they'll do it. Um, I just when you look at them, especially given what we said about Leicester and the, the shakiness that's kind of engulfed them really in recent weeks and the fact that they have just got three really tough fixtures remaining. I think if you were looking down the league and there was a kind of horse coming up on the rails, Liverpool is the most annoying and kind of terrifying team it could be really, especially if they do click into gear and get back into the groove we know they can get into and they've, they've been in for the best part of the last couple of seasons. I think as well, if you look at the games, United away, I mean, Liverpool haven't won there for years, have they? haven't done under the clock, but it, like, like the guys have said, given the way United's crazy fixture schedule has panned out, it remains to be seen whether there's rotation for Leicester and almost a bit of a shadow team. And then, you know, the, the main United team plays Liverpool. But I don't really see how they can do that when they still technically could still win the league, even though it's an outrageously long shot. But I, I just don't think you can throw that in really by by resting entirely until until it's gone. So, you know, United have got to give it a go against Leicester and against Liverpool. But Liverpool have got a couple of other away games in which they've thrived. And then going back to what Gorsi said at the start, uh, the pod about the prospect of next season and the return of fans and 10,000 being in there for Palace. I just think that, especially now with the manner of the Southampton performance, even though it wasn't perfect, like Matt said, it was it was great and it was a few steps back in the right direction. I think that last game at home is going to feel very, very different to all of these games where Liverpool have slipped up and found it hard against teams with mass defences. You know, I'm not saying it's the ideal fixture to have on, on the final game of the season, you know, a kind of mid-table side coming coming to you with not much to play for, but I don't think you could really pick one better if it was a game where there was something riding on it at that point. So, yeah, I think there'll be twists and turns to come, but some of them will be happening above Liverpool on the table. You know, not only have Leicester got United this week, but the fact that they've got to play Chelsea, you know, someone's got to drop points there. I think realistically it is only Leicester that Liverpool could catch, um, but there's, there's, a, there's a hell of a lot in their favour all of a sudden that suggests they might be able to do it. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Leicester, of course, wobbled. Last season fell out. Liverpool fans, of course, don't need reminding. Seven years ago, 2014, under Brendan Rodgers, what happened with the Premier League title race. But looking at it, Matt, obviously Liverpool still have a game in hand against Leicester, which, of course, comes on Thursday. The trip to Old Trafford we'll get to shortly. But... As it stands, six points. I'm sort of reluctant to sort of say, oh, the game in hand, if that's one, it's only three points because things don't sort of seem to be going the way that Liverpool expect. But Leicester's final games are United at Old Trafford. They've an FA Cup final with Chelsea before playing them at Stamford Bridge. And their final home game of the season is against Tottenham as well. So all of a sudden, from a couple of weeks ago, thinking that Liverpool's top four hopes were doomed, it really does feel as though there there is a, a glimmer of an opportunity there now. Yeah, there most definitely is. I think you know, the result yesterday with West Ham not winning as well, Everton obviously going there and winning, that was another one. I think if, if West Ham would have won that, I think you probably would have had them as favourites to, to topple Leicester, to be honest. When you look at their last three fixtures, you'd expect that you know if they'd have been going into them knowing that three wins from three would have took them into the top four, that would have been a huge opportunity for them. But they've obviously slipped up and, and missed that chance. It just does give Liverpool an extra little bit of a 
a hope really to, to cling on to. And it is the hope that kills you, isn't it? it? It's still in the back of my mind that you could go to, you know, the, the last game of the season and, and something could go wrong or maybe Liverpool miss out by a point and, and that would almost make it even more heartbreaking. But that's just what they've got to do, isn't it? They've got to put as many points on the board and ultimately if it's enough, then fantastic. And, and if it's not, as Gorsty said, you know, they can't really have any complaints because it's just really, really fortunate, to be honest, at this moment that we're still talking about it being even mathematically possible, to be honest. So, yeah, I think Leicester, Leicester's definitely the one to, to try and catch. I think if anybody does catch Leicester now, it probably will be Liverpool, just looking at, at the fixtures. It's just a case of, of whether they can do that, whether they can put down a run of form. And I think Manchester United will be crucial. As I say, they, they don't necessarily have to, to win it. If they could win it, that would obviously be fantastic. And I think there is there is an opportunity. I think the fact that Jurgen Klopp's never won there before, I think that has to change at some point. There'd be no better time to do it than now. And I think, obviously, with their schedule, I know, obviously, they might ultimately make 10, 11 changes for tomorrow night against Leicester. But even if they do that, it's still going through the motion of, of having a Premier League game. As Sean says, it's still you know a competitive one in the sense of stopping Manchester City being confirmed as, as champions. It's still going through that, even if, you know, one or two of these players don't play at all, maybe, you know, Pogba or Fernandez aren't in the squad even or, or something like that. It's it's still, for the rest of the squad, disruptive in terms of having to play it, not having training sessions as you would normally. I think it's it's not the ideal preparation. So, look, if ever there was a time for, for Liverpool to go and, and win at Old Trafford for, what is it, the first time in, in seven years or something like that, now would pretty much be the perfect time to do that. And I think that there is there is an opportunity, certainly, for Liverpool to do it. Yeah, no, it, it also, to me, we've not even spoken about it, but it could could well come down to, to goal difference, just two points between, uh, sorry, two goals, as it were, Liverpool on plus 18, Leicester on plus 20. But if Leicester had to start dropping points and Liverpool keep winning games, you imagine that that is going to really balance things out in terms of that. We'll, we'll, we'll get on to the game at Old Trafford uh, more in a bit, but Gorsty, just want to reflect a little bit more on the, the win over Southampton and uh, one of the real quirks that was sort of thrown up the first goal, Mohamed Salah laying one on for Sadio Mane. There's been more talk about Mohamed Salah's future in the last few days and weeks, but uh, yeah, first time he's laid on a goal for Sadio Mane this season. Apparently so, yeah. Um, I, 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 I did see that stat, but then I've seen another one. I can't quite recall it off the top of my head, but it, I think it might have been the, the 12th time that Salah has, has laid one on for Mane, so it's not... No, it, these things try to be painted out from certain corners of the media that there's a rift and there's a an issue between the pair, and, and it's not quite how it is. It's just one of them quirks, isn't it? I mean, Mane, he has had the vintage season, as he's, I think that was his 14th goal. Um, Salah's had a fabulous season, you know, with Liverpool be without him this season, 29 goals. Most he scored for Liverpool since um, since he scored 44 in his first season. Um, maybe there's something in the fact that he scores more when Liverpool don't win things. Um, but it was a bit of a strange quirk. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, I did see the stats, but I wouldn't wouldn't be reading too much into it. I think it's just a case of um, Liverpool not quite firing on all cylinders, um, particularly in recent months. You know, you look at the Newcastle game is a perfect example, wasn't it? Um, would Salah have set up Mane if Mane would have scored that chance in the first half? Possibly. I think it was, was Salah who laid them on, wasn't it? Um, Dubravka kind of closed the angle quite well. and um I think it's just that, that's just symptomatic of, of Liverpool not being anywhere near the sharp at, at the top end. Uh, Roberto Firmino's only scored six. 
Diogo Jota's had a, had a great season, hasn't he? For, you know, considering he's had three months off, he's up, up to twelve, so he'll consider that to be um, a very productive first season. But um, next season, I think when they've all got a full pre-season under the belts, you know, particularly Mane um, and, and Firmino, who seem to have played so much football over the last three years, if they can get a good rest and a really solid pre-season behind them, then they can probably hit the ground running. A lot better than than he did last year or this season, rather when it started in, in September, because it's only really been Salah for the um, for the duration of the season who's shown up. Yeah, definitely. Mane certainly in recent weeks, Sean has been looking quite physically drained and maybe mentally fatigued as well. Certainly with the the chances that he's not been taking that you'd maybe expect him to, but it is two in three for him now. So maybe, just maybe, he's coming back onto some sort of goal scoring form just when Liverpool need him. Oh, yeah. How good would that be if he, you know, bagged another three or four in, in the league and got Liverpool over the line? But no, you're right. It's it's great to see him back at it. it, it it's been a bit strange. You know, you, you look at his drop-off this season. Um, and I know people often have put him and Firmino together as, you know, the two underperformers in attack. But, you know, there's always that get-out clause for Firmino a little bit of he's not necessarily there to be one of the, the main ones who puts the ball in the back of the net. But with Mane, it's been quite marked how it hasn't really been happening for him. And it's a bit of a head-scratcher, whether it is just tiredness and, you know, season after season and summer after summer of of effort for club and country, whether that's playing its part. I think as well, the fact that Van Dijk isn't there on that left-hand side of Liverpool's whole team, I think is, is a massive factor because Robertson's perhaps struggled a little bit as well. And just the, the way that Liverpool would build attacks without really having to look over their shoulder and worry about anything because... You know, you've got the big man there on the left-hand side filling in when, when Robertson bombs forward and why not have them tucking in and doing his bit as well. I, I suppose that they've lost that little bit of solidity, so maybe that's played a part. But I think on Saturday, what was quite encouraging was Mane and Jota's movement and, and kind of the work that they did together. I thought it was really good. You know, like they'd be swapping positions a little bit and, you know, you weren't always sure when Liverpool were on the attack, which one of them would pop up in the middle and who'd pull out to the left. So I think that that bodes really well, and obviously that was that was good for Salah. He had a couple of big chances, didn't he? And um, there was a bit more space for him. But yeah, I just think all round you've you've probably seen there a glimpse of what is to come for Liverpool's attack. You know, you've got those three starting. Firmino off the bench, who, who obviously did well and made an impact. Um, could he be a bit of a super sub almost next season at times because he's such a willing runner and you know. For all I said, what I said before, he's still a very dangerous player, isn't he? And a very, very good option to bring off the bench. But yeah, I think if if Mane, if the Mane we saw on Saturday is the Mane we see for the next four games, I think that just could just play an absolutely massive part in getting Liverpool into that top four. Yeah, what about defensively, Matt? Sean mentioned it before the first clean sheet at home in the Premier League since the, the goal of straw with United back in mid-January as well. And Alisson, I know there was a, a shaky moment or two when he passed the ball certainly straight to Shea Adams. But other than that, he seemed to really do well in front of a very inexperienced defensive duo. Yeah, I thought Alisson was brilliant. His positioning at times, you know, I think he he needed to, to come out and, and maybe get the, the two in front of him out of jail at certain times. And, and he certainly did that. I mean, you know, coming out and, and clearing the ball. I know, as you say, he seemed to, to give the ball away cheaply for that five-minute spell. But apart from that, I thought he was was absolutely brilliant and, and made a couple of, of crucial saves, really. I think I, I said on the, the debrief at, at full-time, you know, we spoke about in terms of, of the saves, it's not necessarily a, an absolutely top-class save, but it's more a case of, of getting yourself in the right position. And maybe he just makes that sort of thing look a, a little bit easier than, than maybe what it is. So, 
I think that was was huge for Liverpool in terms of, of the two centre backs. I thought, you know, relatively speaking, considering all of the the circumstances around it, I think it's only the second time they'd started together as a pair this season. I think they played about ten minutes as well against Arsenal when Liverpool were three 0 up as well earlier this season. But they've not played together a huge amount, and I think for for Reece Williams to to come back in, start and, and play as well as he did, I thought that was a, a huge positive. So. Look, we, we've spoken about it a million times before. I think the biggest thing is that Fabinho doesn't have to, to come back. I think the fact that he was in midfield, I don't think by any stretch it was his best ever game or anything like that. But I just thought, you know, Fabinho did okay in that midfield area. And I think that is hugely, hugely beneficial to, to Liverpool. So I think that that would be the, the sort of thing that you try and, and keep now. Be interesting to see, you know, how how big an injury Ozan Kabak has if he comes back in. But if he doesn't, I wouldn't really have too many concerns about Williams and, and Phillips on that evidence. I thought they both looked confident. They were both really good on the ball. I looked it up afterwards and I think uh, Williams completed 95% of his passes, Phillips 90%. Those are, are pretty good numbers, even for, for central defenders. So I thought that was a, a big step forward for both of them. And if Liverpool did have to, to play the pair of them for the rest of the matches this season, not necessarily saying that they would do, but uh, if that is the case, you maybe wouldn't be quite so worried as you would have been two or three weeks ago. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It was just a, a third Premier League start for Reese Williams. Sean said before about the big man on the left-hand side of defence, but Gorster, you're inside Anfield and can hear everything. On the TV and watching the game, it felt as though Nat Phillips on that right-hand side of defence was really beginning to sort of demonstrate some kind of leadership. If he ran out of position, he was immediately shouting back to people to get covering round and as soon as he settled in, would effectively release Fabinho to, to go back. He seems to be a guy who's, who's growing in confidence in this Liverpool team. Yeah, definitely. I think I think if um, Liverpool's squad at the end of the season, when, when they look back on their own personal campaign, there won't be too many who will look at it and think, well, I, I did okay there, you know. Uh, very difficult circumstances, of course, but you might think Fabinho, Salah, and then and then who? Um, Nat Phillips has to be top of that list, doesn't he? It's it's been a, an exceptional season from from his perspective. You know, coming from nowhere really around October time, he nearly left the club, didn't he? In in September was it? Um, I think it was Bristol City who were who were interested, and in, he ended up staying put. And and uh, what a season it's turned out to be for him. And and I think now he's probably done enough to. Um, show that he that he's got a career in the Premier League. Whether that's with Liverpool long term, um, not too sure. He'll know that when Van Dijk and Gomez and Mata are all back, and the fact that Liverpool are still in the market for a new centre back, that his chances will be limited next season. Even though Jurgen Klopp will have no no qualms about putting him in if needed, but um, I think he's shown that um, there might just be interest from from somewhere across the top flight for him next season. I think it's. 15 appearances, something along those lines, which is probably a decent sample size for any club looking at it and thinking that he could do a job. Particularly teams who are content to um, to sit deep and get men behind the ball and teams who aren't going to be on the front foot every week. I think he, he's ideal, isn't he? Because he wins absolutely everything in the air. And and as you say there, he certainly seems to be growing in confidence and, and stature. And he really recognised that he was the senior man in that defence on uh, Saturday night and gathered. Reese Williams through it, who, who I thought was excellent as well. He seems to be someone who's, who's beefed up since the last time we've seen him. Um, looked like more of a man rather than a young kid playing at the senior level. So I think both have got um, bright futures. And, and in, in the um, 
on the topic of Phillips, I think that now he's probably at an age where he he feel he will feel that he, he can become a, a senior centre back, you know, in the Premier League. It's just one of those stories, isn't it, Sean? That it's just a feel good one, and you, you can imagine the crowd being inside Anfield and really willing him on and pleased to see him doing it how he is. It's not a big fancy foreign signing that's come in. This is an honest lad. And you can see that in every performance he makes. Yeah, there might be some things that look ungainly to the eye, but more often than not, he's effective and he deals with the danger. Absolutely. And, you know, look back to the weekend, he was he was good at the back. And I think the points you guys have made about his communication and his growing stature are very pertinent. But he almost scored as well, didn't he? Or, well, maybe that's stretching it to say he almost scored, but he had a good chance but he just he just kind of went automatically into clearing header mode, didn't he? And just <laughs> ping, pinged away, unfortunately. But you know, maybe he's saving that one for when there's fans back in there. But no, I think he's like Ghosty said, he's undoubtedly been one of the stories of the season. And I give Kabak a shout as well because I think you know another younger player who's, who's come from another league and, and and done really well. The pair of them really. But I suppose Phillips is the one who maybe stands out a little bit just because of how he is in games. You know, understandably. And and I do wonder. And this is no criticism really of Klopp, because how could you know until he started playing and until you saw him within the team? But I wonder whether if Klopp could have the season again, he'd have thrown Phillips in a touch earlier and maybe played Fabinho a bit more in midfield on, on some occasions earlier on, you know, just because as we've seen recently, that's been the formula, hasn't it? That's been what's needed to really kind of click Liverpool back into gear. But very, very easy thing to say in hindsight, really, isn't it? But yeah, one of the stories of the season and, and it is going to be very interesting to see what happens to him in the summer. Yeah, it will be interesting. We'll have to keep an eye on that one. Let's then get to events at Old Trafford on Thursday then, Matt. And this game, obviously, the uh, scheduling of it has all been uh, played around with. Obviously, we were due to have it 10 days or, or so earlier. But I'd argue that actually the, the rearrangement of it has kind of played into Liverpool's hands a little bit. Yeah, I suppose it has in the sense of they know what they need to do a little bit more. They've got a bit more of a, an opportunity to get into the top four than maybe we thought. But I suppose it, it all depends really on the team that Manchester United play first and foremost and, and also what they do against Leicester. I think if United beat Leicester, then yes, 100% it would have come at a, a good time. But if Leicester win, United make changes and, and suddenly they look fresh. I think you can probably sort of look at it in one of two ways, depending on what happens, to be honest. So, yeah, it, it's going to be a strange one, isn't it? It's it's a weird time of year. There's just so many matches. I mean, I think, you know, four or five days ago, I was looking at, at Manchester United's schedule and it, it just looked like there'd been a mistake there because there's just so many matches. It's it's, it's honestly, it's it's ridiculous that they have to play all of, of these games in, in this spell. So, yeah, fingers crossed from a Liverpool perspective, it, it does pay, play into to their hands a, a little bit. But to be honest, I, I'm not convinced one way or the other, to be honest. I think I think you can make the case for it being good for Liverpool, make make the case for it being bad as well. It's it, it's just one of those things that maybe you just see what happens. Hopefully Liverpool players as well as they can play. And if they do that, they give themselves a chance. And, and that is as much as you can say about it, really. But I do think it, it's going to be interesting to see you know what Jurgen Klopp thinks of it does does he think that they have to go there and absolutely win if it was you know one each for example on 80 minutes would he go all out to try and win it and, and risk losing that point I think it's a, a really difficult one to, to try and map out I think for me if it, if it was one each and and it finished finished as a draw it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world but obviously that there is always going to be that temptation to, to really really go for it and I think that tactically for Liverpool is going to be something to, to really think about because 
you know, with Manchester United, if you do go for it and you do leave yourself exposed, you'd fancy them probably on the counter to, to maybe get one and, and nick it. What do you make of it, Gorsley? There'd be surely no better time for Jurgen Klopp to go to Old Trafford and get that first win there. Uh, well, they, they've got to go for it. Uh, I think, think I've said this a few times now that there's no um, there's no two ways about it for Liverpool. They, they've just got to go to Old Trafford and uh, put aside what has been a, a, a bitterly disappointing run there, hasn't it? You know, they haven't won there, as Matt said before, in, since then the Rodgers was manager in, in that 2013-14 season. Um, and there's been a couple of times when Liverpool should have gone there and won you know I'm thinking about when they finished second with the 98 points I think they went there around about February March time United had three injuries in that game I think and Marcus Rashford was really struggling and would have came off if United had another injury had another substitute to use Liverpool were absolutely flying um, going for the league title and Still, still were a little bit timid, and, and it was a goalless draw, which ultimately did cost Liverpool the title. And and then last season, when Liverpool went there on the back of seven or eight games, you know, perfect start to the Premier League season, and United were in a state of flux and needed an Adam Milana equalising in injury time to to rescue a point. So for too long, Liverpool have had a bit of an inferiority complex, if you like, with a Manchester United are concerned at Old Trafford, um, almost in a similar way to to the one that Everton have or or had at Anfield. It's it just always seems to be the venue where they freeze and and don't turn up and don't do themselves justice. So that that just has to change on Thursday night if Liverpool are to uh, have any chance of getting in the top four. So um, why not let just just go for it? Will they get a better chance, Sean? United have the excuses ready with the team news issue. Liverpool, the motivation needing to get into the top four. And, of course, going to be no crowd inside Old Trafford either. No, probably not. I think I think you have to look at it like that. I think, we're given that we're speaking before United play Leicester, I think that will just determine things in so many ways, won't it? So, you know, if obviously, like the guy said before, if you, if you see a Fernandes or a Pogba not in the squad, then that... Obviously, means United will be fresher and, you know, I have better options for Thursday. So that's a big factor. But like I said, I just think they've still got to go for it. And, and you know, it, it is, as Matt said, that I think the main thing really, you know, it, obviously the two games in such short space of time is is pretty bad. You know, you really ever see this around Christmas time, don't you? Um, this a kind of Tuesday, Thursday thing. But I think the lack of preparation time in between is, is a biggie really. And I know they might well have done all their preparation ahead of the postponed game and there'll be a lot they can refer back to and some sessions and tactical stuff has been done in a way. But yeah, I, I, I don't think you can really say that there could be any better opportunity for Liverpool. Obviously, Liverpool's, Liverpool's own performances and form this season is, is the thing where you'd say could be what lets them down. But I think there has to be a point as well. And if this is ever going to happen to United this season, it's going to happen now where... Their incredible powers of recovery wane a little bit. You know, I mean, obviously, you saw it again at the weekend. It, it's just remarkable how often they've come back from losing in games. You know, and when well, they did it against Liverpool, didn't they? In the FA Cup, they were they were one 0 down, and yeah, they eventually won three two. So yeah, I think on on that basis, if Liverpool can get on top early and they can have a plan for how they see the game out, I, I think it's you've got to look at it as a huge chance. But like the guys have said that. I think, and I think this will be especially determined by what happens in the Leicester game. There is a world in which a draw is, is absolutely fine for Liverpool, but 
that world has to see Leicester defeated, I would say, by Manchester United ahead of Thursday. But yeah, going to be going to be a very interesting one, and and um, you know we've already seen the team sheet, but it'll be interesting to see how much that changes for United. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll, we'll chat a bit about that. But actually, as you were mentioned, you were talking there about the conceding first and coming back to win games. They've taken thirty-one points from fourteen matches. They've conceded first one, ten, drawn one, and only lost three. So, uh, Matt, it won't be a case of getting too giddy if Liverpool do get themselves ahead in this game because, as Sean said, you know, United's a powers of recovery and b powers of winning penalties, regardless of who they're going to have to put on the pitch. Yeah, and until recently, Liverpool not getting that second goal to kill it as well. I think it's a, a perfect one to, to go and do that. I think, yeah, it, it's going to be a fascinating game for, for so many different reasons. And as I say, it's going to be interesting to see sort of how, you know, both teams play it. I think for, for Klopp, even even if it does transpire that, that Leicester have won and, and Liverpool therefore need to, to win this game, it, it's then a case of, of how do you do that? I don't think you know going all out attack and playing all four forwards and, and just going for it and trying to score five goals is is really necessarily the best way of going about it. I think it, it might be still even then a more measured sort of approach, trying to keep the ball, trying to to stop Manchester United from counterattacking because specifically if it is you know Williams and, and Phillips at the back, you don't want to leave them exposed against you know Rashford and, and Greenwood, Fernandez, Pogba, all of these players. So it's it's a tricky one to try and sort of approach it, you know, whichever way it goes. I think there's a good chance that, that Liverpool will have to, to go there and, and win still, even a, a draw, you know, they they're gonna have to play well, but they're gonna have to play in a kind of sensible, measured approach as well and, and obviously take the chances as and when they come. So yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what they do. And, and as Sean says, how different those teams are compared to, to what the, the team sheet said they were going to be. I think you know, James Milner was was in the side, for example. I'd expect him to, to be in there for Liverpool for that element of control. But of course, he missed the game at the weekend through injury. So there's still you know a fair few unknowns to try and get to the bottom of in terms of, of how that pans out. But yeah, it, it's going to be a, a fantastic game, I think, if if both teams are, are at it and fresh. But, of course, who knows whether that's going to be the case or not at this moment in time. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Before we get on to the team, just one I want to ask you about Gorsi is Edinson Cavani. Of course, he won that free kick in the FA Cup game. Luis Suarez is old mate, played against Villa, so might not well play Tuesday. He might be one that we can predict may well play on, on Thursday. And well, he's he's been uh, remarkable for Manchester United, albeit a lot of us thought it was a panic buy. Yeah, I, I certainly did, did think that as well. I kind of lumped him in with when Adi Odegaard when, when United got him as well, kind of bit of an ageing striker who's a bit of a gamble, but um, he's been fantastic, hasn't he? And um, maybe likening him to Regalo was a little bit harsh given his, his pedigree at Napoli and um, Paris Saint-Germain in particular, I think. He might actually be Paris Saint-Germain's all-time top scorer. I'd have to check that one. But yeah, I th- what was it? You know, he scored seven in his last eight or, or something like that. He just seems to be a man in, in red-off form, doesn't he? And um, just a... a a top striker who I, I did think his best days were beyond them and maybe you have to use him sparingly but certainly if, um, if you get the ball in the box and his movement his intelligence his strength and, and his eye for goal uh, as uh, sharp as ever so I think I think you might be right about him missing out Tuesday and, and playing Thursday and that's going to be a massive test for whoever plays the centre-back we hope it's going to be Kabak I'm, I'm not too sure whether he'll win that race hopefully um he, he does, but we, we'll obviously see because um, if it's not him, then 
you're looking at Reese Williams again potentially, or the dreaded scenario of Fabinho moving back there, which, which we all don't particularly want to see. So um, centre back issues to Liverpool. Uh, what else is new? Yeah, minor injury for for Ben Davis at the weekend. Who knows? Gets thrown in at, at Old Trafford. Anyway, <laughs> let's get on to the the team selector. As ever, start with the goalkeeper, Alison Becker. Don't think we'll have any complaints there. Uh, Sean, I throw the uh, defence over to you. You can lead us on the defence. I think this uh, well, is probably the, the million dollar question, isn't it? Yeah. Well, to explain my selection, I'll I'll, I'll briefly foray into midfield and then and then come backwards. I I just think if you're looking at how you protect the defence and how you get Liverpool a foothold in the game, and how you potentially give Liverpool a platform to win it, or, or even get a draw, you, you've got to play Fabinho in midfield. So, regardless of the fitness of Quebec, that's that's what I'd do at this stage. I just think, you know, the way he's helped unlock that extra level to Thiago, and just, just what he's done so far. I mean, look back to Sati, it was the type of performance Liverpool fans, and, you know, maybe us and pundits and commentators have all, taken for granted a little bit but you know he, he won every single tackle he was pinging long balls interceptions block shots he, he just absolutely did the lot so I think he's got to be in midfield so like Gorsley said the hope would be that Quebec is fit to play alongside Robertson Trent and, and Phillips obviously but if that isn't the case I, I would go with the lads who just kept the clean sheet at the weekend yeah, okay, so inject him, strap him up, wheel him out, do whatever you can to get Ozan Kabak on the field of play. Uh, Matt, what about you? Are you with Sean there? If Kabak isn't fit, it's got to be Phillips and Williams with Trent and Rob, obviously, at fullback. Yeah, I am. I'm slightly reluctant to do it. Obviously, we mentioned Cavani earlier. I think his movement, you know, has caused Liverpool problems in the past, could well do so again. I mean, you would fancy United to, to score at least once and, and then it's up to Liverpool to be very, very clinical at the other end to, to try and, and counter that. So, yeah, I think it, it's going to have to be. I think if it's not Kabak, it, it probably will be Williams and that would be a slight concern. But I think it would be probably just as much, if not more, of a concern to me if Fabinho wasn't in midfield. So it's it's kind of the least worst of, of the two scenarios, if you like. Yeah, he didn't have a great time there in the, the FA Cup, did he, Gorsty, Reese williams But are you in agreement with the lads? Uh, reluctantly, yeah, just because I think how important Fabinho is to midfield. I mean, just just putting him back into midfield is, is basically giving Liverpool this, this chance, hasn't it? This shot of top four. I mean, why? Um, I mean, it's easy to say with hindsight now, but why Klopp assisted with him at, at centre-back for so long? Um is is a tough one to figure out really. Not that he was he was bad at centre back. I thought he's probably been Liverpool's player of the season, whether he's been in midfield or defence, Salah aside. Um, but he's, as Sean said, he just gives so much, doesn't need to midfield. So um could be a big night in the uh, young career of Reese Williams on Thursday night. Uh, stay with you then, Gorsty, for the midfield. And I think maybe if you thought Thiago coming in this season was maybe ahead of Vinaldo moving on, but the two of those in front of Fabinho maybe striking up some kind of understanding or would you rip that one up? Well, I think the fact that Liverpool have they played Saturday and then they played Thursday, which is not ideal, but it's not the kind of schedule that would see Jürgen Klopp make him make mass changes or would see Jürgen Klopp moan or, or you know, because we you know he's kind of railed against the schedule quite a lot this season. So um he could theoretically just keep it as it was against Southampton, but I think the fact that he, he put James Milner on the team sheet originally at Old Trafford um, was was a big tell. So I think he might come in. Um, it's just a question of 
who that's going to be for. And I think it might be um, my album for this one. Okay, Sean, your midfield three, Fabinho, one of them, the other two are? Yeah, exactly like Gorsi said. I think, you know, Klopp, Klopp showed his hand, showed that he had a plan, and that was to bring Milner in. And I'd do exactly the same, yeah. I think especially, you know, if it is that young and relatively inexperienced defence, I think having Milner's presence and leadership in that midfield and potentially the ability to almost have him and Fabinho drop back a little bit and, and help out those lads behind them and... Thiago could push on a little bit more like like he has been doing since Fabinho's been there to, to cover him, I think is the way forward. You know, it feels slightly harsh on one album, but yeah, that, that seems to be the plan initially for, for the original Old Trafford date, so no reason to change it. I'm going to play devil's advocate here then, Matt, and say if Man United have all of these games, though, and players maybe with a bit heavy legs, whether it's they've had a rest against Leicester and come back in, or some who might have to play in both the Leicester game and this one, do you not maybe want a bit more dynamism maybe in that midfield, Curtis Jones and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain both off the bench. And I know you're going to Old Trafford, but no crowd in there. Big pitch, open it up and get them moved out of position and see how their, their stamina and their legs are. Yeah, yeah, I can see the argument. I think that there is a temptation maybe to go with Curtis Jones, but I think for me, he'd maybe just be on the bench, be one of those to, to come on. I mean, Jurgen Klopp's not played him a huge amount over the last few weeks. I think it would be a strange one to suddenly decide to, to reverse that and throw him in. So I wouldn't expect to see him. I'm with the lads. I think it would be James Milner if he's fit. I think he plays partly for leadership and, and partly for the fact that he was obviously in the initial plan that Liverpool had, it, it would be strange to, to rip that up and, and change your mind, even though it's, you know, a few days later and, and circumstances are slightly different. So yeah, for, for me, I think it, it would be a case of, of Thiago, Fabinho, um, and then him being in there with, with Milner. Um, there is a, there is a slight bit of me that would be slightly concerned about Thiago. Um, I think just in terms of off the ball, maybe you could put Wijnaldum in there just to, to win it back and, and keep hold of it a little bit better, maybe stop the counter-attacks. But yeah, it, it would be pretty harsh. I think after what Thiago did at the weekend with the late goal, to, to take him out of it, I think maybe would be slightly counterintuitive. Yeah, fair enough. Matt, then what about the, the front line? Who are you going to go with? Uh, well, Roberto Firmino didn't start at the weekend, so I will imagine that he will come straight back in and it'll be uh, Mane and Salah either side of him. Um, I think there has been a, an issue at times, I think, without Firmino in the side in terms of being able to, to hold the ball up. I don't think Jota quite does that the same as what he does when they're through the middle. And I think that could be important against United. So, yeah, it's uh, the old front three for me with Jota to come off the bench with an hour, uh, with an hour gone. Any any change to that, Gorsty or, or Sean? No, um, I'm in exactly the same thought process as Matt. Um, for me, you know, only got half the goals of Jota this season, and Jota's been out for three months. But I just think uh, at Old Trafford, and the ball goes up, it's got a stick, and for me, knows much better at doing that than Jota. So Jota in reserve, if needed, hopefully won't be. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think. That plan almost, I like that the, the lads have outlined, you know, run run Firmino into the ground for an hour and, and maybe have Jota there as a pre-planned thing to come on if circumstances dictate that that's the right thing to do. But yeah, again, it was Firmino, wasn't it, in the original lineup that we saw a couple of weeks back. I just think if if we're saying that Firmino's in midfield and he's potentially accompanied by Milner and they're going to have to do a fair bit of looking over their shoulder at the inexperienced lads behind them, I think you probably want Firmino, someone who's going to come a bit deeper and help out in, a, in advanced midfield areas a little bit more than, than Jota, who 
you know, that's not quite his game, is it? Not from what we've seen so far. So, yeah, I think, I think that's the right call. Yeah, okay, great. Um, predictions and score lines. I think I actually I actually got one right on Friday. I think 2 0. I said, uh, what's the score going to be at Old Trafford? Um, let's just go with it. Liverpool are going to win 2 1. Go on, Gorsley. I reckon 2 1 as well. That was what I was going to say as well, actually. Yeah, Sean, you always predict a Liverpool win, surely. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go smash a uh, kind of smash and grab one nil with a, with a late goal for Liverpool. Oh, that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? You can just see, see what would have been the away end as well. But anyway, uh, Matt, scoreline. I'm going to dampen the mood slightly. Oh. Uh, I'm going to go for I'm going to go for one each. But I will caveat that by by saying I think one each and then win the last three, and I think that will be enough. Right, that will be uh, just enough, yeah, hopefully for Liverpool. Before we go, quick reminder to sign up to the Blood Red newsletter twice weekly. The uh, link is in the description of the podcast, or if you're watching us on YouTube, just pop in your email address and you will, as I say, get our twice weekly newsletter directly to your inbox. But from myself, Guy Clark, Matt Addison, Sean Bradbury and Paul Gorse, thanks for your time and your company here on Blood Red. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.